Understanding must arise during these times of unparalleled deceit. A view into the depths of society upon which this country has fallen. A storm breaks upon the horizon. Instead, have the eyes to see and the ears to hear will play a paramount role in the furthering of humanity and civilized society. But can civilized society and humanity survive the coming conflicts not seen since a dawn of time in ages by past? But you can find true forms of information and knowledge in abundance at revolution.radio, freedomsleps.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the globe, and upon the right side of history. Hello? The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host... All right, this is a little bit improvised, but we're getting there. Ah, uh, yeah, this is uh, Free Association. My name's Dennis, and I'm your host for the next hour at least, possibly possibly longer. And I think we've got Dr. Lenny Time with us tonight. Are you there, Lenny? I am here, Dennis. Welcome <laughs> to Wednesday. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I'd forgot. I'd, I'd kind of forgotten, and I'm. Um, my head's all over the place, but uh, we'll get there. We'll have a conversation. It's time we had. It's time we had a silly conversation. I think for a, we haven't had one for a while, and uh, there's there's far too much seriousness in the world. So let's yes, uh, let's count. Actually, you could reverse that. There's far too much silliness in the world, so it's time to have a serious conversation. But. Either way, it comes out the same. It's basically the same thing with a different label attached to it, isn't it, when it comes down to it? It is. It is. Mostly philosophy. But that's something that we don't seem to use very often these days in the public sector. So maybe there's some things we can design that will change the way life works for most of us. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's plenty of things we can redesign. I've I've got uh, Mitzi 
in the chat room, and I think we can we can grab her and have a conversation. If I if I organise my technology properly at this end, let me. Let me sure, just... she's just on up the road. Yeah, all, all my friends seem to be in Northern California for some reason. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> uh, Welcome to the Hotel California. It's a lovely might, place. A lovely uh, place. Might well <laughs> I somehow got sucked into California when I was about eight or nine years old. And uh, I never left. But it didn't involve sex. It didn't? Was it Beach Boys' California Girl song? I think I caught in Woodstock. Woodstock was in Upper New York State. Yeah, I know, but in my head when I was eight, it was California. <laughs> the other one was, which one was California? Monterey. Monterey is California. Yeah, Monterey is California. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking the of. Jazz with. festivals. Yeah, in in my head when I was old or eight years old or whatever, Woodstock was California because it was it was a big, big rock festival, lots of lot sun, sea, and sand in my head. So yeah, it's uh, it's never gone never gone away. That's my definition. So my definition of California is America, really, <laughs> but that's just me. Most Americans would disown California. They do some weird things here. But I'm at the point where I no longer reckon much about it because I've declared sovereignty and don't pay attention to any rules of the system. Oh, that's that's good. Less rules is probably better. Uh, let me... Sorry, I'm being distracted by technology. Let me just, just do this for two seconds and then... Sure, bring Mitzi in. Uh, this is uh, more complicated than it needs to be with just one person doing it. Anyway, I shall, uh, I shall continue. Yeah. If it's a Skype thing, maybe I can catch her. Yeah, that's. Uh, I might, I might be better. Let me because it's the menus are all over the place with Skype, so I mean, I'm sure there's a way to. Thing is, I'm not sure I've ever Skyped with her. Right, so it's not share. I'm just working my way through the menus to see which one is the invite. Because I found it for you, but I can't find it for Mitzi for some reason. Um, ah. Maybe she's under another name. Could be. Anyway, we shall... Let's just continue the conversation and I'll work it out as we go along. So, Okay. So my plan tonight was to do a short, shorter show and run over to the pub where, where in theory there ought to be a, a group of libertarians meeting. It's a, a monthly meeting of some people I know from Stand in the Park and, and various other 
places. Rebels on roundabouts and stand in the park mostly. But it's according to my computer, it's minus four outside, so I'm having second thoughts about leaving the house now. <laughs> Even though it's about thirty sec, literally thirty seconds away from my door, this park. Hmm, we need to get you a big coat. Oh, there's an icon with a person head with a plus sign near it on Skype. Uh, I wonder where that is. <laughs> um, Should be in your Skype menu. They change things all the time. It's very funny. Invite I have in my lower left-hand corner. Yeah, let's have a look there. Yeah, I'm using the top right. Whatever. No, I was I was using the top right, and now I'm not using the top right because it's lower not left. Uh, but I'm looking at a computer screen, not a phone. Um, let me find it again first. It's all a communist conspiracy to silence Mitzi. I don't think anything would silence Mitzi, would it? <laughs> well, we don't hear her. Oh, let me, uh... I do this all the time, and if I, I follow from where I am now, we're going to put everything on hold, and I don't want to do that. Uh, bottom right, here we go. Contact location. Oh, I don't know. It messes me with my head, this technology stuff. So I shall. Uh, Can you imagine a world where they've banned all technology? Um, I would like to imagine a world like that, I think. We could pick apples off trees and talk to snakes. Yeah, I think we might have already done that once and it didn't lead to a good place. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether I want to dive into a, into into the Bible. No, the true history of the world was explained in Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where we are future of the Golgofringian B-ship that never, ever heard of evolution and never evolved. Right. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's a long story. Douglas Adams tells it really bitter. Two seconds, Lenny. I'm still trying to work out this tech business. Well, you'll get a message from Comet soon, maybe. He might be able to help. You never know. It's always something. So... If we were going to just chuck the whole system and redistribute all the wealth on the planet somewhat evenly, how would we do it? Ooh. I think you might do it with a, a perceived threat that uh, forces people to houses for, for six months, that you could do it that way. No, everybody would own their houses, but then the people who are 
landlords would lose out because the renters would all own the place they've got. So they'd have to be compensated. But if you took all the money in the world and you put it in the world, everybody would have five more. So uh, okay. then again, it doesn't go around long enough. All right, I think Mitchie's having some tech as well, so we're not we're we're not alone. <laughs> I feel like I've got company in the in the world of technology. Well, you see, they've made it so that everything doesn't work, and that's part of the symbol is that you get to the expectation that it's not going to work. So I don't. I assume everything's going to work properly all the time, every time. And it seems to. And when it doesn't, I just say, okay, reboot. And rebooting sometimes works. We need a reboot in world geopolitics. I listened to your show on Saturday, and we have some real problems in the world of geopolitics out there. Oh, yeah, that's... Uh... All hell breaking loose in the Middle How East. How did the clowns get to be the clowns? They awarded a, a a large red curly wig and a big nose by somebody who's already a clown, I think. Okay. And then you get your face painted? Yeah, it you go you go to university for four years to get the big nose and the and the wig, and then you come out of university and you go into a a corporate apprenticeship scheme or whatever they call it these days corporate uh, something or other degree degree graduate schemes they call them don't they and then oh. they they paint your face when you're in the graduate. I see, and they painted a different color from your original face and the robes and anoint you king. And you go into your old small universe and start lying to the youth. And you can decide whether you want to do an act with budgerigars or with lions or with uh, acrobats. <laughs> I see. Bring in the clowns. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. The clowns came on when one of the acrobats fell or something happened. A lion took a snap at one of the children in the front row, and they had to quickly get the camera off of them, so they brought in the clowns. Yeah, I, I, I was in New Zealand. This, this is, this is a, a bizarre story that's completely unrelated, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it's a good story. Free association. Exactly, exactly. It's what, it's what came up. And I, I, I was dreaming about clowns the other day, and I don't know why. But that explains why we're having the clown conversation. <laughs> because I dreamt it. Um, I've dreamt a version of it. I don't know what it was about. But I've, I've had uh, bits of a Vita and Don't Cry For Me Argentina in my head for ages as well. Um what was I going to say? New Zealand, right? So Cirque du Soleil were in town the week that I arrived in New Zealand. I had no idea that this is what was happening, but it turned out that the week that I arrived in New Zealand in Auckland in 2001, Cirque du Soleil were in town. 
and uh, I had money in my pocket at the time, so I thought I'll go on. I'll go and have a look. I think it was a Friday night. There were no tickets. There was no tickets left. It was completely sold out. I went down anyway, just on the off chance that I might be able to get some kind of ticket when if somebody was sick or whatever. Oh, or, sure. And you probably got right in. Uh, I got in, but I was huh. I was behind a pillar at the back. Oh. So I was behind one of the support. It was in a tent. So they put up their own. T- it was an enormous tent. Circus is a big operation. And I was be- literally behind one of the support structures for the for the tent. And uh, I was talking to the woman next door to me, sitting right next to me. And she wanted to sit with her friend. But her friend was in the third row. So... I, I I kind of ag- agreed that I would move into the third row, and our friend would. You volunteered to escort her into the third row. No, and uh, so you got up into the front of a concert that you shouldn't have been able to get into, but well, a circus show. Hey, uh, Mitzi says that she's got the screen up, and it's in the top right. Uh, there's an invite tab. Right, I shall have a look. I think I might have to. Zap everything and then bring everybody back. I think that's the easiest way for me to do it. So that I, might work. So I'm going to do that and start the call up again. And we should be back in a second or two, folks. Okay, this has been Dr. Lenny with Dennis Barker, the Open Philosopher, on Revolution Radio. Right, we're nearly there. Hang on, two seconds. Uh, zap everything. I've heard the Revolution Radio commercial so many times that I can recite them. All right. I think think I'm probably back. I'm not sure about Mitzi and and Doc time yet. But in theory... I have lost Dennis. Uh-oh. No, I'm still here. I'm just I'm just letting the conversation move. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Oh, I'm wondering because I was wondering if Thomas Sheraton didn't know about the because um, there's this whole geoengineering thing that they're doing that they're dropping this chemical. Uh, I forget what Dane Wigington calls it, um, ice nucleation or something. Or it causes. Did you ever have a chance to see my clip in the movie, What in the World Are They Spraying? Uh Uh-oh. Oops. Yeah. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. It was my 15 minutes of fame, but I talked all about them spraying barium and aluminum and other things in the air. And as a chemist, I could verify that they were spraying. As a theorist, it seems like what they're doing is they're putting really highly charged ions in the air that when they get into biological systems, hog the water, tie up the active sites, and uh, sort of make your body work harder to do things that come natural normally. Hmm. Yeah, because barium takes up 14 times its weight in moisture. And then they lock the moisture up into the up into the um, whatever layers in, uh, up there, and then they use those lasers from HARP H A R P program. They use them to usher the 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 moisture away, and usually it goes east of us. And then so when they start doing this, then pretty soon we hear of these big floods that happen east of the west coast of Turtle Island, North America. Um, uh, so there might be some flooding happening. Uh, we start to see those chemtrails out here, just if you notice it. Yeah, Yeah, I am embarrassed to call myself a scientist anymore. I was trained to believe that there was actually a mechanism for things to happen by. But nowadays, there is no mechanism. All you need is officialdom standing behind you egging you on and you can propose any insanity that you want in any field and you don't even have to prove it well i think it's been like that for a long time actually i was uh when uh let's see i lived in santa cruz when i was in acupuncture school down there in the uh late 90s mid to late 90s i read this article that in the new york times at a cafe there, I just picked up the New York Times and read this article about these, this drug that got taken off the market. It was to clear your um, arteries from plaque uh, out of people uh, because a bunch of people got sick and died. And it turns out that this medicine was uh, the base of it was freaking uh, carburetor. <laughs> and they didn't even have like they didn't have um, any studies on it before they even put it out. Well, the whole the whole situation is that we've been fed a line of goods for so long, we can't tell fact from fiction. And the reality of what they've told us doesn't necessarily have to be true. But it seems like yeah. a lot of folks are kicking the bucket lately. Oh, yeah. If people notice, like you'll notice that if you drive – you're going to notice like so much less traffic nowadays. And I'm always commenting. I'm like, Oh my God, I think a ton of people died. Cause it's like even driving from here to San Francisco, which I do probably once or twice a year. Um, yeah. There's way less uh, traffic. But the other thing is people have to decide that they're not going to listen to it anymore. I, mean, I have this, my motto is non-compliance is essential. If you want to survive this stuff. You know, people just have to stop. Yeah, the only authority you have to speak to is yourself and the circle of people you surround yourself that form the 
moral fiber of your existence. I mean, you have to laugh because if you don't laugh and you take it seriously, you just realize how insane it is and you shut your mind down and go back to playing your video game. Well, I'm glad I've never actually played it since Pac-Man. I've never played a video game. (laughs) I know it's fun. A lot of people do it, but I just, I've got too many things to do. I like to read and do other stuff. So that's what I do with my free time. Read. Yeah. You know, like read books. With real books. books? Not Kindle or one of those other operating readers for you. No, no, I have, I bought a couple of Michael Sarian's books on Kindle and I just can't read them. I've tried, I've, I've read parts of them, but I just, I don't know. I think it's something about the, I don't like so much screen time because it hurts my eyes. My eyes start feeling like they're um, burning. If I start reading too much. Not to mention the vibration rate of the screen sometimes will mess you up. And then there's the brightness. Ah! It's out to get you. Yeah, you can buy. I have on my screen, on my computers, the one at work and one here at home, my laptop, is I've got this program called um, Iris, and it's pretty good. You can can, uh, send, um, what is that? on reading and it's all black and white. And unless I need to have color, I just leave it in that. And my eyes help my eyes so much. So it's called Iris. And then there's a free one uh, that's called F Lux, F period L U X. And that's free. That one's a little harder to manage, but it does work. Um, I did pay like $14, I think to get the um, Iris, which to me, it works better. Okay. Uh, yeah, that will really help your eyes if you if you're on the computer a lot for sure you want to have some kind of blue light blocker on it. You know. I went through a phase a while ago where I was I was getting uh, getting my phone to read. I was buying a lot of books on Google Play and then just getting my Android phone to read them to me. And that worked quite well because then you don't have to look at a screen at all. You can just let it play. And it'll it'll play until it switches off ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear? I heard. Uh, where did I hear this? Maybe on a Jean's show or something. They like to talk about gaming and and AI stuff, which is kind of scary. So I, I don't listen to it that much, but I love his show. Uh, but he, they were saying that there was. Uh, something going on in some of the shows. I'm not sure if this was a hoax or not, but that uh, somebody was playing one of the games and one of the NPCs came up to him and uh, asked him, oh, he started uh, asking him where he was and he he was freaked out because uh, he needed to contact his family and stuff. So they figured out that this guy supposedly got sucked into the game and he was like lost in cyberspace through this game. Uh, have you so, heard that, OP? Did you hear that? No, I don't know. It's a movie to me. Is that not the plot of Tron? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. I don't know. They were talking about it like it was real. Like it really Well, happened. you know, reality does follow and imitate what it sees in the movies. And the original Tron was, what, 1970s? Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. The original what? Tron. T-R-O-N. Oh, and what does that mean? It's a movie about uh, 
kid playing a video game who gets sucked into it and can't get out. Oh, yeah. As the last he has to win the game to get out. Yeah, The Last Starfighter is kind of that plot as well, but The Last Starfighter is more of a kind of a, an initiation kind of hero's journey type of thing. Well, you know, the concept of an NPC is a very interesting one because I think a lot of the people who are here in real life are already NPCs and that maybe this coronavirus stuff is sent here to take them out of the way so we can get on to doing something different. Yeah. I thought of that, like maybe they're just killing off the stupid people. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry to say that because a lot of people got coerced into it and, um, you know, it's just bad. Are they fear mongering? They got caught up in the fear and they're good people who just watch TV. And that's, that's a big part of it too. Just watching TV, you know, because one time I was like at the tour of the sea thing that happened. Uh, I, um, I was wondering like, why is this still going on? I just can't believe it. Why aren't people waking up and stuff? So I actually, um, I was at a friend's house and was, she was watching TV and I sat there and watched it for, for a while and listened to some ads and the propaganda on the TV. And I was like, Oh, no wonder. It's amazing. I I mean, I've lived without a TV, like regular TV for, I don't know, 40 years or something. And there was a long time. I never even listened to the news until I started doing my shows. And then I started listening to other people's shows who, you know, had sort of the alt-right, um, I felt sort of regurgitated regurgitation of all the mainstream media was coming through on a lot of the alt-right sort of truther stations and stuff. But I, I, the whole thing creeps me out. Yeah. I have the TV for years and years where I had to switch the radio off because I was listening to a rock, rock stations, but the, the advertising, like four or five weeks into the pandemic, the, the advertising was driving me insane because it was all, it was all, all, yeah, it was ridiculous. So I, I, switched, I switched it off. Yeah, I switched off. I switched the music station off so to to stay away from the fear. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Are are people uh, still um, doing the shots and the masking and stuff over there in England or there's, where you are? There's still people wearing masks. The Chinese community have been wearing masks forever, so I don't I don't count the Chinese community because they just do that culturally. And I live I live right by Chinatown, so there's a lot of there's a lot of people wandering around wearing masks just because it's Chinatown. Wow, that's so weird. I know they're just already so mind controlled to accept, um, to, like don't say anything, like to accept the the uh, the clampdown. Yeah, well, I think China, the Chinese communities were wear, they wear masks because of the air the air quality in. Chinese cities, ultimately, so they're used to wearing masks because the air quality is so bad. Yeah. I know. My friend uh, in Washington, she was going to a a Chinese doctor up there, and he was, he kept, he's, I think he's still wearing one. I kind of want to call his office and ask, because he's an acupuncturist. I mean, he should know better than that. (laughs) But. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking. I was listening to some some material online about um, 
con- the congestion charge in London. I, I was thinking about it the other, actually was it this morning or yesterday? And when I used to live in London, which is admittedly is twenty years ago, I remember I remember wandering around in central London on uh, on the Mall or Piccadilly or somewhere, and I I had to keep stopping to be able to breathe because because the the fumes from the traffic was getting so bad, and I remember think I remember thinking this is not long after. Uh, so it's about 2003, 2004, something like that. So the, the congestion charge hadn't come in, uh, the clean air zones and all that hadn't come in. But honestly, it was starting to get to the point where you couldn't walk around the city without stopping to get your breath. And I'm I'm a reasonably fit and reasonably healthy guy. So God God help you if you if you're 75 and you're struggling. Yeah, I guess that is yeah. Uh. <laughs> so Anyhow, yeah. So what else is going on over there? Is there any new? It seems like uh, everything's kind of coming to a lull. I guess maybe it's the uh, election thing over here is the next ramped up, you know, uh, thing that they're going to use for the adrenaline pump that they've got going into society, right? Oh, we've got an election coming up shortly as well. I mean, yeah. it's, not, it's not announced, but they've they've delayed. The, there's a pub, the public inquiry into COVID responses going on, and they've just delayed part of that indefinitely so which means that they won't get to the point where they're looking at the safety of vaccines until after the election oh yeah so that's an obvious political move um are you noticing that more people are starting to get clued in to the whole thing the hype a little bit i mean i talk to people now and now and again if i'm in a in one of one of the bars or one of the cafes or whatever, I talk to people, and uh, there's a there's a little group, there's like a little colony of people who are either not vaccinated at all or had one one shot and then dis- and had a bad bad reaction or decided against it or just decided to switch the news off or whatever. Uh, everybody else seems to be still playing playing that game but there's there's four or five people in each bar if you talk to usually the people sitting at the bar who are the regulars are the people who are like nah i'm not going along with any of this because they get cynical alcoholics get very very skin cynical and skeptical about the world so they just disengage and uh it's might it might be what keeps them alive in the end i yeah. run- that's the kind of quality that actually we want to stay alive. And I kind of has crossed my mind a couple of times, like, wow, I wonder if that whole thing was to sort of weed out the people who don't think for themselves. I mean, I don't know. It's a sick thought. I, I don't like going in that direction, but, um, you know, I don't think it's done yet. No, no. I think there's no. going to be a whole lot more ridiculousness this winter and we definitely need to be distracted by something so we don't have to pay attention to it. 
Well, I'm reading uh, old books that I loved in the past, and so I'm rereading a lot of books, like we talked about before, real books. Good. <laughs> Choosing healthy distractions and letting go of even having to listen or notice that other stuff. It's just, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's hard because in my business, I've actually lost patience, and I probably have a bad reputation in town because I tell people to take masks off when they walk into my office. You know, and I won't wear one. And I talk about not, I try to get people to not get vaccinated. And I have had a few people get pissed off at me and stop coming in. So. Well, good. They don't have to shed on you. Yeah. Right. That's the good part. (laughs) That's going to happen. It's separate. It's separating people out. That's the, that's the thing. It's like the mindset is kind of being, being filtered filtered out in certain ways so i know i I don't really i don't really engage with people who've been vaccinated because i always if i can find somebody who's skeptical or who hasn't been anywhere near it then i'll i'll sit and talk to them and i won't i'm not interested in engaging with people who've been vaccinated particularly because they just i'm going to end up in a row Unless you get the ones who were coerced into it. Like I have patients who, uh, you know, really sad case was this one woman who's, you know, a whole, her one, she's got two ch- children and one of them didn't get vaccinated. One of them did who had her only grandchildren. So, you know, they, the wife was kind of crazy and um, wouldn't let her see her own grandkids. They lived in the same town for over a year and so finally she just threw the ball in and did. She really didn't want to do it. But she's been coming to acupuncture and doing lots of herbs, and she does all natural medicine now. So I feel like she's detoxing it. And she she already had that mindset of of not wanting to do it. But, you know, what do you do when you're – I mean, yeah, your grandkids, you can't see them. But um, So there's those people, too, that I think that, you know, we kind of need to be keep in our circles because – they're they're good-minded people too. They still have, you know. They're, I think that makes a big difference in how the vaccine even can can um, uh, affect them, because I'm pretty sure that that vaccine is kind of the the um, rmnra one that's supposed to work on your your genetics. I'm pretty sure that it works on a holographic model, so that inside of themselves is not then I mean this is my hypothesis then that whatever that technology that they have can't harm them or won't harm them maybe not as much or something because they don't have that template inside of them to work with it of just following following the experts or following you know somebody So else. that would be mind control where you're controlling your own mind yeah. rather than having somebody mind control it for you so they have of not being so open to mind control because it's been done to all of us. But uh, that's my that's kind of what I've been seeing because I do know a few people that got the jabs and uh, one of them actually decided to do it. She was part of an Indian tribe that was priding themselves on being the first ones to get the jabs and blah blah blah, and she kind of decided late into it, and I. Yeah, so that was hard. We didn't talk for a couple of years, and um, I'm not sure 
I, I did talk to her recently and it was kind of nice to see her, but, um, you know, yeah, it's been a long time and we were real close before. Um, so I don't know. And I know that there's those three kinds. So some of them, some of the people just died right away. I have one friend who, uh, is native American and she had 17 people die after getting the jabs in 2022 alone, 17 family members. So, but, uh, you know, and I think that a lot of people got the, the sailing solution and you see those people who are fully vaccinated, they're fine. They must be getting the saline solution. <laughs> yeah, I, I have wor- wondered about that because they had all sorts of athletes go on to uh, push the jab when they first started. Right. And yet no professional athletes in American sports have dropped dead. Overseas, there are plenty of them that have. But No, they did. What was that? Um, there was a really famous baseball player right up at the beginning of it. Uh, who was that? Very famous uh, black um, American. I think he was a baseball player, but he was retired. Yeah. And he died. I mean, there. current players in his in-season Suddenly dying. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which in yeah. the population, we're getting a lot of sudden deaths. Oh, I see. And that's one sector of the population that's highly visible that is counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Well, but they're not in the they're not in the uh, mainstream media screens a lot, like the like the. Uh, soccer players and stuff, the, the athletes. I don't know. Why they, they point, all, maybe they all got the um, saline solution. They're giving them saline solution yep. here in the U.S. Yep. That's what that. I wow. think. Okay. They gave all their they gave all their athletes saline solutions in yeah. the U.S. <laughs> and told them to go out there and pretend. But you know, the whole thing is so made up and so dystopic that I don't even want it on my radar screen anymore. Yeah, right. So we could change the subject. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where do you want to go? It's, a, it's an open show. It's, a, it's, it's just about the conversation. We don't have to have a topic. Okay. You know what? I, I, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't bring this up. You guys decide the topic. <laughs> yeah. No, go ahead, Mitzi. It's... It, it, if it's on your mind, it's on your mind. Go ahead and talk. Okay. I'm going to say something. And I'm going to just, I'm going to um, talk about uh, something that I've noticed in a lot of friends of mine. Um, and I've, and because uh, I have a real good friend who uh, caught her husband in this. And ever since, and that's been a year and a half ago, she's been sending me a lot of stuff and I've been sort of looking into stuff about pornography and um, how that's affecting uh, couples and affecting society. Because apparently it's like a huge problem right now. Like there's an enormous amount of men and women too, but mostly men uh, addicted to pornography, online pornography. And, and I, I'm starting to think that that's the real war going on. That's, this is the real pandemic. Uh, you know, that they've been using, we should have known that this whole COVID thing has been 
used as a decoy for something else. And I'm thinking that that's what it is. Because, like, since I found this out and I've been listening to videos and um, doing a lot of research on it and stuff, I am going to, I want to do a, a show on it sometime. But um, I've been asking my friends, and I'm not going to ask you guys, so don't don't feel like any, that's going to happen. We don't have to <laughs> complain about anything here. But um, the I've been asking friends of mine, and it's like almost, I think, like, every single man that I asked said, yes, <laughs> they do. And so um, I, 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 from what I'm finding online and in, on these uh, YouTubes and just different things that are happening around, people are starting to talk about it and really do stuff about it. And there's this kind of a really cool movement happening around it, mostly based uh, from Christian organizations and Christian churches and stuff, uh, which I'm not affiliated with, but um, – I'm totally appreciating the work that they're doing around it because I guess these pastors uh, started, you know, they do counseling for, for the, the their congregation and they started noticing more that the women complaining about their husbands. So a bunch of the different churches, they've done studies, they've done polls and stuff and figured out that something like 87 to 95% of the men were addicted to porn in the, these Christian congregations <laughs> And so they just kind of started opening up that Pandora's box and talking about it and bringing this stuff out. And, you know, um, uh, I know that I've heard things like, I think it was Mer Bailey who used to come into our chat room. She, she used to talk about, um, uh, yeah, that the pornography is, has been used in Europe to, to take different sex, uh, cultures down or different, um, you know, at different times during history, including prostitution and, um, and lately in my radar. And, and, and I'm starting to see that that's the real pandemic because it is, it's huge. And uh, people just don't talk about it. I mean, there's a lot of shame and embarrassment around it, but um, I think I'm really glad that it's starting to come out and people are really talking about it. And, and also I've talked to a bunch of women friends of mine and uh, that, yeah, it comes out, they're talking about their relationships or ex-relationships. or And then my friend, one, she said that in, she said that so she's been online about it for a lot longer than I have. And she's made friends in India on Facebook. And she said that in India, there's this huge, huge amount of young men uh, that are open to talking to her about it. And um, that like in their thirties that they have um, they've never been with a woman before. They've never touched a woman. They've never kissed a woman. They're straight. Uh, and, and they've, they've only had sex online pornography and gosh, look what that's doing to society. And, and then there were, there's like another cross section of people who, you know, couples who, you know, this is uh, India and the Middle East, and I'm sure it's happening everywhere, but she just kind of mentioned it from her experience on Facebook from people from there, um, that there's lots of uh, couples that can't, they're, they're both, they're addicted to sec, uh, online porn as a couple, and they cannot have, I hope this is okay to talk about on the radio, <laughs> but that they, they've gotten to the point where they can't even have sex without first watching porn. 
So um, the addictive nature of it is so strong because of that dopamine rush that it gives you in the brain. And it, it's like a any kind of addiction where, um, you know, you start off with a certain amount and then that becomes not enough after a while. And then you need a little bit more. You need a bit, little bit more. And she was saying that the Internet algorithms um, kind of start to pick up on what you're doing. And then they kind of leads you into really shady uh, more and more disturbing um, s- sexual content, and it, w- it, le- it leads people to uh, to do things that they would never normally do um, in their you know right mind, but they just get more and more of like on the sick trajectory of that sexual um, exposure. And uh, so, yeah. And there's this one guy I forget his name. I'm gonna look for his video. Um, he, a uh, young man from North America, uh, and he talked about, um, yeah, about like he he got into it real early before he started having relationships uh, with women, and um, and he found that he just he was so confused and didn't have there was something really missing in his uh, ability to connect. Um, and so he's doing a whole bunch of videos on YouTube now too, uh, trying to reach out to other young men who might be, um, on that same trajectory to warn them and to start getting together and talk about it. Cause it's really sad, um, the way it is tearing apart, um, families and stuff. And, you know, it would be a really hard thing, you know, in a family to have that going on, um, but anyway, so that's uh, something that I've been really looking a lot at lately. So. All right. Well, yeah, sex addiction. Sex addiction is a, a a big issue. I think it's it's something that people don't talk about because it is it is embarrassing and it is it is something that that is difficult to get out of. You look at. Uh, all the cele- basic, basically celebrities are usually addicted to sex somewhere down the line. Look at uh, JFK, uh, well, no, Robert Kennedy Jr. They said he's a, he's a sex addict. Um, Robbie Williams, all of these, ev- literally anybody who's got access to which, who, whichever sex they're into. Is going is going to get addicted because they've got access. So it's it's a tricky thing because you've got to say no to something you've got access to, yeah. and that that becomes a tricky thing. Anyway, um, we've got some bumpers coming up. I've got Lee time with me, and I've got Mitzi with me. Uh, we'll be back in about three or four minutes' time. So go and put the kettle on, and I'll see you in a couple of minutes. are becoming worthful as well. 
force of your world is draining away. Have you noticed that as everything around you seems to decline, one thing still grows? It is the power of your rulers. None of their plans and directives have solved your problems or made your life better. The only result has been their increased control over you at the cost of your freedom. Do you know why? You gave them the power. They called for your sacrifice, and you thought it was noble. They said if you worked for yourself and your family, that you were selfish and uncaring, and they made you feel ashamed. They denounced the leaders of industry as greedy exploiters. You agreed. All evil needs to win is the consent of good people. To everyone within the range of my voice, you now have a choice to make. If you decide to support the notion of sacrifice enforced by the state, your gaze up. Your world is in a downward spiral, and you will write it down to destruction. But if you share the values, if you believe that your life is a sacred possession for you to make the most of, if you want to live by the judgment of your own mind, not edicts from the state, then follow our lead. Do not support your own oppressors. Stop letting the system exploit you. Form your own communities on the frontiers of your crumbling world. Your rulers hold you by your endurance to carry the burdens they impose, by your generosity when you hear cries of despair, and above all, by your innocence which cannot grasp the depths of their evil. The world you are living in is the world they wanted. Leave them to it. Those who are eager to build a better world, a world of freedom and opportunity, a world based on respect, in that world you will not receive alms, nor pity, nor forgiveness of sins, but honor, respect, and justice. Don't let the fire go out spark by irreplaceable spark in confusion and despair. The world you desire can be one. It exists. It is real. It is possible. It is yours. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the Internet. It's your world. Take it. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the Internet. Please help support the battle and continue forward. Revolution Radio! Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio at FreedomSlips.com. Any commercial advertising you may hear in the program is of the sole discretion and benefit of the host of whose program you are listening to. Revolution Radio does not endorse any commercial product, nor does it accept monetary compensation for on-air advertising of commercial products, nor will it ever. We are and shall remain 100% listener-supported. Any product advertising on this program are considered used at higher risk, and Revolution Radio shall not be held liable for any claims from any product advertised within this program. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps.
The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily... Uh, okay, I think we might be back now. You're back, you're back listening to Revolution Radio. Uh, the show is called Free Association. Uh, just a reminder, we're listener-supported, so if you can chip in with a couple of dollars here and there... Uh, you'll find a place to do that on revolution.radio at the top of the page. And I've got Lenny Time with me and I've got Mitzi with me. Are you are you are you here guys still? I'm here. Yep, I'm here. <laughs> Alright, good, that's a victory. We managed to get through the break without me cutting anybody off. So we were talking time. about being addicted. Yeah, sex addiction or addiction generally, it's it's basically the same thing. Yeah. I think it's a it's attachment. It's it's uh, addiction generally can be addiction it can be addiction to television. It can be addiction to uh, wine gums, whatever sweets. Like you see, four year olds walking past a sweet shop, they're addicted to whatever's in the sweet shop. They don't care what it is. Because they know they like the taste, so they just go. They just want it. They they they'll run over a road to get to a sweet shop. So it starts starts from being three or four years old and a sugar addiction. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a couple of comments in a chat room that I'm in. They're listening to the show. And uh, one of them, if I could just uh, bring this up, um, here it is, uh, that because um, we were talking before the break about pornography and the, I, I feel like I really think that this is the real pandemic. Uh, if you look at like the 80, 85 to 87 to 95% of men polled were saying that they were addicted to porn. Uh, okay, so the, this comment is saying that, yes, porn breaks up the man and woman relationship. And I might add in there like a real relationship because um, the fantasy is a different, you know, it's not breaking up that one. But uh, and it also stops the man or woman to connecting to their spirituality. Um, they are stealing sexual energy and wasting it. So that's what they are doing. And porn isn't sex. So. Porn is destroying your spiritual energy. That's all. No sex. I mean, sex isn't doesn't destroy your spiritual energy. On the contrary, but yeah, it's just like any other addiction. You're right, Op. And it starts with when we're little. Yeah, because our parents even inadvertently would reward us with sweets or reward us uh, or you know special treats for your birthday or for you know anything that's like to be celebrated it was always wrapped around sugar. So that is where the dopamine um, addictions probably got started in all of our lives, you know, and then it just sort of progresses. And then, you know, as uh, and probably during COVID, I bet that this addiction, the porn addiction, I bet that just skyrocketed because everybody was locked down or a lot of people were locked down. Nobody was out in bars meeting people or feeling like they wanted to hook up or, you know, or, you know, meet a partner or something. So they sort of turned to this other addiction that um, feeds their, the, our dopamine uh, fix that we've all been sort of entrained to um, adopt as part of our lifestyles, you know, just as human beings. Um, some of us 
us have been better at dealing with addictions than others. But, uh, yeah, it's a real problem. Yeah. Yeah, there's, so, a, there's a point at which one addiction just turns into an, another. All, all you're really doing is replacing the object of the addiction. Ultimately, you, you never really resolve the actual underlying whatever it is that's that's creating it. That might it might just be part of the human condition that we get addicted to things that we that we fix attention on particular objects. So it it starts starts with sweets and sugar and jigsaws and whatever you associate you associate things with you with you being with your parents in a good situation that becomes something you want to repeat because it was a positive feeling so it's positive reinforcement but it's just from the feeling of feeling good so the sweet the, the the sweets thing when you're a child is is like you might be associating associating that with your grandmother, or you're associating it associating it with winning a prize at school or whatever it is, but there's some kind of positive reinforcement going on, and that's that's the thing that pull, pulls the dopamine through, isn't it? It's positive reinforcement. So. Right. I mean, you look at those uh, programs where they show how they uh, train dogs, you know, and have we just been trained, you know, well, like we, a dog? <laughs> we are. Well, we are naturally trained when we're children because we do as we're told by adults because that's because we need to to survive. So it's it's like if you don't if you don't do what you're told, you're going to die. So, yeah, but it's just it's escalated to the, so I'm getting some other comments here about being attached how pornography is actually attached to the whole uh satanic thing going on and the child trafficking and stuff like that that it's all it is part of the same system it might the 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 level that people actually get to might not be to that level you know hopefully not for most people but uh you know that actually the tentacle is attached to that whole satanic and that's what well if you if you believe in satanism as a thing then that's an interpretation but not everybody does well i don't believe in satan but i do believe that people are trying to uh do stuff with this uh you know intentions of setting intentions because they've learned from traditional peoples about um the power the hu- the power of the human being and setting our intentions and and uh like um aiming people's you know as a group people's um uh, wills and trajectory of their thoughts and their activities uh, in a certain direction to help, I don't know, maybe help fund this whole thing that's being trying to be un, unfolded for us, you know, but I just choose to not go in that direction or not even try to think about it. But, you know, it's just, um, I've just been noticing, I, I even had this kid come into my office this, the other day and was asking about, do you know any any herbs that you can take to prevent you from getting STDs? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I knew he had a girlfriend. And he was all like, well, uh, so I asked him, I said, oh, do you guys have an open relationship? Are you talking about having sex outside of your relationship? And he said, yeah. He got all excited that I understood. And I mean, you know, I just said, well, um, you can't protect yourself from, I mean, you could wear a condom, but I don't even think that would protect yourself. But uh, the only protection you have is monogamy, you know, and like maybe get married. Think about getting married, you know, make a relationship where you can 
have a really meaningful uh, relationship and really develop uh, yourself in, within a, a, a marriage or a committed relationship because that is uh, such an, an amazing, um, beautiful way to um, to learn about life and to learn to, to help to see yourself and develop yourself is through the eyes of somebody else who you love and they love you. So I don't know. I just had this real short interaction with this guy and he really trusts me. He's been in to see me before. So I was glad he came in, but I, I'm hoping he, I can continue this conversation with him because I do think that it's something that it, it'd be really good to start opening up conversations just in everyday uh, our everyday lives and, you know, with people around us. Because it is something, because alcoholism and drug addiction, you know, that's very separating too. You know, it will separate us from our loved ones. Um, and so that that box has been open and people are talking about it. And I'm really looking forward to this part of the addictive story to be opened up about pornography. Because the, the advent of online pornography is what has really just lit the fire, just really you know, threw gas onto the fire of the pornography thing through the internet, you know, because it's so easily accessible. One of my friends was saying, why is it free? Like what's going on with that? Cause she years ago divorced someone who was, um, she found out uh, was addicted to porn. And she said, you know, if you look at it, like those actors, they make so much money like a lot of money and and um and then all the production costs and the insurances that you pay and the this and the that like who's paying for that and why is it free you know which i thought were really good questions yeah Yeah, the the sex industry's always been there it's always been there it's always been associated with temples as well strangely enough there were there was all there's always been an association of sex and sex and temples all around the world. Yeah, I have read that too. And um, I mean, sex is, it's very, it's a sacred thing. It's a sacred act for sure. Uh, definitely. It's a very sacred thing. Um, and it's just really sad to see what they've done with this, which is what they kind of start to do with everything that's like that, that's good and they take it and they twist it as tight as they can and as corruptly as they can to to turn it into something really yucky you know so uh here's another comment sex is between a man and a woman porn is the detachment from the opposite sex this is another comment uh even though you are watching it being done with a man and a woman so it's it's a detachment from the opposite sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, the addictive quality of it is um, is something to definitely be looked at, too, because apparently it's very strong. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, you can get addicted to anything, though, if you if you start, I, I, I get obsessive about, about things. I go through phases for about six months where I'm totally obsessed with one particular point of view or one one particular way of looking at things, and then I then then I shift it. It kind of I kind of persuade myself into something and then persuade myself out of it. And it's 
it's not quite the same thing addiction but it's it's an obsession yeah but i've managed i managed to work out i i've always managed to work out how to unobsess myself if that make does that make sense or not yeah yeah yeah, because it's the fantasy thing, too. And and it's the same thing with, with heavy drugs, you know, like these people who just get addicted and they just can't stop. I mean, they would want to stop. They probably have a ton of reasons why they'd want to stop any addiction. And it is just such a hard thing. Even the computers, like uh, I remember early on, David Icke was talking about uh, um, the when they were developing the cell phones. The, the 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 beam of light or the the um how do you say that Lenny you'd probably know what I'm talking about but that the frequency the light the frequency of the light band that they use they decided to use on the cell phone screens the, the certain frequency that actually hits the brain through the eyes closest to the addiction area especially in children that's the that's the frequency band that they decided to go ahead and use for the screen the computer screens and the, especially the cell phone screens so that they were deliberately uh sending those beams you know that that's going to migrate it's going to hit the brain through the eyes right next to the addiction um place especially in children so that children would become more addicted to these phones so by the time they're adults Man, what you know? What if they don't want to be addicted to this technology anymore? Because we know they are right now. You know, it's a big, big, huge issue. I've seen people, you know, teenagers. They lose their phones. Like this one friend of mine told me, her son had lost his phone. He was 15, and her parent, their parents decided they weren't going to get him a new one. It was a couple months before Christmas. They thought, oh well, we'll just wait. The guy, the kid just freaked out. Like he started throwing these fits, like he was literally physically addicted to it. Like it was heroin or something in his body that was driving him mad to, to, you know, to get that fix back from the phone. <laughs> yeah. So here's a question for you then, Mitzi. Is, if, if that's happening, obviously people are doing research. They know what, what, what's going to, going to trigger an addictive response. So is it the phone triggering the response or is it the addiction looking for something to be addicted to? Yeah. So well, which I think which with the exposure, the exposure has to happen. You know, the exposure has to happen. And so if we're, we've got the internet and that, so that's what that young man that I was telling you about uh, when I first started looking into this, he was the first one I heard talk uh, about because he, he had access to internet when he was, you know, 10 years old or something or, and so he realized that he could, uh, you know, get pictures of nude ladies or something. And that's where his started. And so I think it's a natural you know, the sexual awakening is definitely a natural and a beautiful thing. But in traditional cultures, like what I've studied with a lot of Native American elders, is that in the old times, um, that uh, the pubescent um, part of a child's life, a, a person's or a man or a woman's life, um, 
is really, really, really important, the adolescence, because that's when their hormonal awakening is happening. And, um, and so it's super important for the community around the person, the family, the friends and neighbors to really, since childhood, since infanthood, you should be watching those children and fig- and noticing what they love to do. And so, yeah, um, and so if they like to bang on things, get them a drum. Maybe they're a musician or they like to shake things. They're, you know, percussionist or drawing or painting or acting or climbing trees, you know, uh, just to notice what the child is interested in. And then when they start to get close to puberty, like 10, 9, even 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, you that time that child should be um, being offered as many, as much possibility or must, must, uh, as much uh, opportunity to, to develop the things that they love doing. Maybe they love to write or read or draw or, you know, write plays or, you know, so, whatever. It is. Yeah, so, so they yeah. grow up and they get to that era where their hormones are awakening in their adolescence and they don't have that, that community, um, uh, support by allowing them and giving them opportunities to 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 express and develop to develop their gifts, then that and with uh, added um, access to pornography for free on their parents' com- computers without their knowing it, these kids are are getting into porn at younger and younger's ages through the internet. That's that's why this is such a huge issue right now, really huge. So. Yeah, well, what you're describing though is a is a way of channeling attention. So you're talking about kids buying drums or, or making making stuff with whatever it is, Lego or woodwork or metalwork or what, whatever it is people have got an aptitude for and have attention for. But isn't that isn't that addiction? No, that's just life. That's that's addiction would be where. Uh, you're harming either yourself or another person is addiction, I would say. Um, and d- developing your gifts, becoming a, a potter or, you know, a playwright or, you know, unless you're doing things that are harming somebody else or yourself. Um, I would, I would not, you can't be addicted to, well, I guess you could be addicted to food, <laughs> you know, just in a natural environment where there's not that twisting element that comes in to um, like, let's put sugar in everything. Oh, sugar's not bad enough. You know, let's up the ante and put high fructose corn syrup in everything uh, that people are eating. Um, so that's that. That's where it comes in. Like, yeah, is addiction uh, introduced? Is it a, a psyop or is it a uh, whatever, an attack on us? I, I think it's more likely to be a natural thing that's looking for an object. So... I think yeah. everybody's addicted. Everybody's got a tendency towards addiction to something, and they're looking for an object to attach to. So you can be addicted to your family. You can be addicted to your mother. You can be addicted to your grandmother. Yeah. It's called love. Well, love is an addictive. I think that if you were, um, like, to me, if you said, okay, this person is addicted to their mother, that would mean that there's some kind of pathology going on where they don't feel comfortable about themselves and they don't want to be away from their mom and they don't, you know, they're 40 years old and still, you know, living there or just can't, can't break off. So that would be sort of 
yeah, I would say maybe that's an addictive relationship um, or, you know, with food or sugar or, you know, eating things that, you know, make you sick kind of thing. Yeah, there's definitely that potential. But I don't think that everything that we eat is addict. You know, you might get, I mean, if you got addicted to eating really good food because it, it made you feel good, uh, I don't know if that would really be termed an addiction in psychological realms. I don't know. <laughs> No, I'm 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 using the terms very loosely, but uh, yeah. just just as a as a kind of way of way of broadening things out, it's like attention, addiction. Too much attention becomes addiction. That, that's mm-hmm. the definition. Isn't that the isn't that the definition? Addiction is too much attention on one particular thing. Yeah. So it could be it could be that that attention, you know, like if you look at relationships of people who. You know, like I've seen uh, relationships where the one of them is, addi- as I would say, addicted to the other one being sick. And so they keep yeah. them psychologically in this sick place so they can take care of them. Or, on the other hand, the one person's addicted to being sick and being taken care of because they know it's going to get them attention. So that would probably be, yeah, an addictive thing. But I think if it's a, uh, you know, a natural and maybe this is even coming up like this because. We're so not used to having things being natural and nice and, and loving and in a real true sense that it's kind of hard for us to believe that it even exists anymore. Uh, if you're looking around at what's going on in our culture. So, yeah, that's it's a good point, OP. So it's just really a matter of I, I mean, I, I agree with you completely that you guide guide children and, and teenagers through as much as you can but, you, but then you can't stop teenagers from being teenagers yeah you don't want to do that you want to let people let you, you kind of need to let people express who they are and if you're part of that is addicted to something then i want to learn from, from a mistake don't make a mistake i was i had my child around i um used to read a lot of books and what they would say, especially for boys. And I don't know, I, they didn't elaborate on why this is, but I have a feeling it has to do something with their brains or something, but uh, that for boys, especially, it's really important to basically don't let them have any free time. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm I'm sure in the old days it it might've been different when there wasn't so much temptation uh, to um, from, I mean, is this a targeted thing from the, you know, we hear all kinds of stuff about what the military is doing with mind control and stuff. But um, so who's to say? I don't know. Um, but that I know that Rudolf Steiner uh, work in the Waldorf uh, schools, they would say that it's really, really important for adolescents to be busy. And so with people in two, you know, two person uh, working people, family like the mom and dad is both working you know, they got the kids home alone a lot and there's just a lot of free time with unsupervised. And um, so I, I personally, I think that this is something that I'm hoping that these conversations start happening so that we can start coming together again as community and saying, OK, uh, I'm going to start a little basketball group on two afternoons and anybody can, uh, you know, tell the kids, you know, you can come down and just let's just shoot basketball or whatever it is that you like to do. It doesn't even have to be involved with the schools or whatever. Or, you know, like me, I could teach Spanish or somewhere, have a little Spanish club and have tea and cookies or something in the afternoon somewhere and invite people or, and especially sort of 
um, you know, focusing on the on the youth um, or sewing groups. We had a sewing group and the one uh, I work at this healing arts center. And a long time ago, about 15 years ago, we had a, a teenagers sewing group and we had we put out the notice and we had people donate sewing machines and fabrics and threads and all kinds of different things for sewing. And then we just put the word out that we were um, inviting teenage teenagers to come in and learn how to sew. And that went on for at least two years, I think two or three years. So, you know, things like that, that collectively, you know, Lenny was talking earlier about what would we do if we decentralize everything. And, and these are ideas that could come forward, um, you know, once these conversations start happening, when we realize that it's us, you know, if we don't change it, if we don't do start doing stuff, uh, it's never going to happen because it's not going to happen from the town. We, we shouldn't be waiting for the government or these uh, communitarian organizations that pop up everywhere to start open opening their doors for our teenagers because, you know, there's a lot of stories behind some of those too. But um, when it comes to just like sort of natural, real people, just thinking about, and this is like part of healing our own childhood. So maybe we grew up in a place there was so much trauma and stress. What we like to do. And so we never got to uh, teach anybody how to sew or get together and do clay work or, uh, you know, let's read a Spanish book together, you know, and we'll just go real slow and everybody or French or whatever, you know, languages. Uh, so we can start to heal ourselves like our own inner adolescence. We could we could heal ourselves by going, OK, what do I really love right now? So, Opie, Janice, I know you're, you're into Reiki and you're into hands-on healing and things like that, energy healing. So, you know, doing something. Yeah, and I know you had those ideas and you were kind of doing that at one point last time we were talking. Um, but it's it's sort of like that. Like, okay, how what what can I do to get into um, the world of real people and say, okay, let's just say that all those jerks who are um, lying to us and trying to make us do stupid things let's just say that they did pack their stuff up like we all want them to do and just leave the planet and we're going to just do this ourselves so what would we do you know what could you offer the, t the teenager a lot of times people come into me and they're like 60 70 years old ah, I wrenched my neck because I was like mowing the lawn or I was you know, moving branches and, and they get messed up. And I'm like, well, don't you know any teenagers? You know, you need to start looking for teenagers who need work. And Well, they don't know how to work. Well, that's because nobody taught them how. You need to, and I, I talk to my patients like this. I'm like, this is part of your health. And this is part of our culture's health is to get back to being a community. And I'm not using that in the communism uh, term, but real communities, real like neighborhoods where we can, you know, like their grandparents might be gone. They might live in another state. So they don't have a grandfather who could come around and say, hey, come with me. I'm going to go do this little job and bring the grandson out like what happened with my son. He went with my dad a lot. Um, so that that's not happening a lot. So we need to realize, OK, so our, uh, you know, this is an opportunity for us to get involved again and to open the, the gates of our hearts and do something that we believe in in a good way, you know. And so 
I talk to my patients, find a teenager, bring them to your house, show them how to prune that bush, show them how to mow the lawn correctly, show them how to do this and that, how to take care of this and that. They don't know because nobody ever taught them. And, and that's a huge problem. These teenagers really need our help. And uh, it has to start with us. Yeah, it does have to come. It can only come from, it's like when you talk, when, whenever you're talking about the world, you're talking about yourself ultimately. So it's like, you can only come from me because there is only me. Because I'm, I'm the world I see is a reflection of me. So the world I'm speaking to is a reflection of me. So it has to come from me. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so what they're doing with all this screen time and stuff is reflecting pornography, reflecting different kinds of addictions and reflecting, reflecting doom and gloom and fear and helplessness and hopelessness. That's what's being reflected to all of us. You know, so this is, is if we really still have our minds about us, you know, uh, it is a big, huge opportunity, you know, to change what we're, to take our minds back and our wills back and, um, you know, and realizing that the trajectory and where our minds goes and our wills go, you know, and maybe giving up some addictions, you know, if you're up smoking or smoking so much pot or whatever it is, pornography or alcohol or, you know, something that, you know, is taking your time that's not good for you. You know, you could start to feed in stuff that is good for you and good for the neighborhood, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of different ways to approach. Lenny, are you still around? Yeah, I'm here. What do you have to say, Lenny? You do a lot of thinking about what what would happen if we did this or did that. (laughs) I'm thinking that the ramifications of the manifestation of the rabbit hole of pornography are just incredible because... What you suggest about us adopting teenagers and teaching them stuff would be great to get you a lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, as a male of uh, senior age, I won't go anywhere near a single young girl because I've seen too many one-on-one situations go where there's a rape accusation, whether it's true or not where there's no defense when somebody screams rape you're you're labeled and that the whole system is mitigated by lawyers and this legal system which punishes bullshit and lets the real serious consequence go yeah and so i i think that when you start looking at the invasiveness on born on the internet after they pushed everybody away through the covidiously is just a repercussion of what they're trying to program society to do, not the problem of the individuals who really right now, there's not much opportunity to get much done we have to question what we actually know, what we were taught in school, because a lot of it has now turned into complete and utter BS. 
And I, I am so tired of listening to these MDs on air talk about the medical model without actually looking and seeing if that medical model is even close to true. And I don't think it is. I think we've been mistaught at our universities for so long that we've lost the ability to think. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's that's definitely true and definitely probably true. I think that's the goal is to get people not to be able to think or not to be able to trust their hearts because they're so damaged from these different, um, you know, traumas that have gone on. So, you know, but the the question is, you know, what do we do? <laughs> you know, and maybe, you know, and that I understand, like, I don't think if I had a teenage daughter these days, I would not let her hang out much places. You know, I, I'd be, I'm real protective, you know, I'm, but, uh, you know, I look back and realize I let my child do stuff that um, might have been involved with with pornography. I mean, not not as far as like filming or anything, but I think that there was times when I uh, let my child go places where they might have been watching it. I'm not really sure, but um, that was a long time ago, too. But that was the beginning of the Internet. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we got it's a, it's a good place to start the conversations to at least be opened up and started, um, because you know maybe in those cases, Lenny, um, you know, I mean, you don't have to do you're you're an elder and you're you're you know got your stuff going on, but you know, and and doing maybe more open things like the basketball idea or something. Yeah, but you're right. It's like if somebody did infiltrate into that system who had a problem, uh, that would be a kind of an easy picking grounds for doing stuff. So, yeah, people have to be super careful you know, for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's like everything. If you if you if you walk into the world and you're naive, you're going to get you're going to get supported. But if you're too too protected you're never going to see the world so it's it's a it is a fine it's a fine line and uh you kind of you kind of i expect to get slaughtered i'm still naive and i'm 58 so i just oh. wander around i just wander around and people pick me off with a with a shotgun from a great distance usually they spot me a mile away and go all right go for here <laughs> I know when I first found out about all this, I was like shocked. I, I, I mean, I knew about pornography, you know, stuff that's going on, but like, I just didn't, I mean, there was things that I learned about where I live, like the community. And I'm not going to get into any details about that, but I'll just say that there were things that I found out or have been going on around me <laughs> for like over 20 years. I had no clue about it. I had no clue that it was going on. Somebody just told me last year and I was just like shocked. Oh, and then I started, you know? Yeah. And because I am so naive, I just believe the good. I want to believe that people are good, you know? Yeah. I mean, I obviously I, I live kind of between the gay scene and Chinatown in, in the city that I live in. So one of the bars that I, that I drink in is a, a, a drag bar with a with a swingers club upstairs, so I'm I'm no no stranger to this stuff. It's all uh, it's all out in the open, but uh, 
it's interesting that the the swingers scene in Newcastle is quite a big scene. There's a lot of uh, polyamorous groups floating around and and torture groups and all sorts of things going on. Yeah, it's amazing. And that's just that's just people expressing their shit. It's a it's child it's childhood trauma coming out as sexual fetishism and all of that. But you've got to you've got to find a way to express the trauma. If you're expressing the trauma through watching pornography or being tied up, electrocuted or whatever it is in a in a in a particular club. In a in a in a place where everybody knows everybody else and it's safe and everybody knows how it's going to be safe, then I don't see the issue with that because it's a way it's it's cathartic. It's a way of expressing whatever childhood trauma that these people have got sat around in their subconscious. And I, I think I think you've got to express that somehow. So if it comes out through sex, it comes out through sex. Yeah, so one of the comments that I got here on one of the chat rooms was talking about that. Let's see. Something about, oh, yeah, so asking, uh, let's see. I think if you asked people who, uh, I'm trying to remember the comment. I think they were saying that, like, if you ask the people after they're done with this stuff, like, what? oh, here it is, after the act, um, fulfilled, satisfied, or empty, so that would be a really interesting thing to sort of assess, you know, what, you know, what's in going on in those, in that, what you're talking about. Cause yeah, the, um, those groups and stuff, which is basically what I'm talking about. But, um, I just was like, I didn't, I didn't know it was so close to home, I guess. <laughs> but, um, I think, that's, I think it's everywhere. I don't, I think it's part, part of being human. Well, part of being human is sexual expression. I mean, the, the yeah, mind. well, there's a sick expression. If you, you know, you look at artistic expression, you know, um, and this, this stuff that people were putting out that was getting exposed on the Internet uh, a few years ago about, um, you know, child pornography and ritual abuse and stuff like that. Like, OK, that's an expression of probably that happened to them when they were little, like maybe they grew up in a family that did that and they're just keeping to do that. Um, so is that expressing their family traditions? I mean, is that acceptable? What, what do we do with that? But it's acceptable in Kazakhstan. It's acceptable in Uzbekistan because it is part of the culture in Uzbekistan or whatever. It's, it's some, some cultures do have that built into the culture. So, because it's not Christian culture or not. Well, I, I'm not a Christian, so I'm not coming from no, that. No, I'm using that as an example because that's that's the point of view that most people take. I'm not arguing in favor of child porn or child abuse. What I'm saying, all I'm saying is people are strange. Mm -hmm. And people express that strangeness as part of the culture. And sometimes it looks like something that it isn't from outside the culture. I don't know. I'm just. I'm not. I'm not arguing in favour of child child abuse. All I'm all I'm saying is that sometimes things that look like abuse may not be abuse. They might be part of a a process of initiation or a process of sexual guidance or whatever. But it's done in a way that 
looks like abuse from the outside. I, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along. <laughs> no, I, I know what you're trying to say. I, I got it. But, you know, I guess, yeah, it's hard to say, you know, where it came from, if there was invasions of some cultures who were kind of sick and twisted and they introduced that stuff or because that's some of the things that I've been reading about, but you know, I, and then again, within that culture, there's a lot of different people. So you can't just say that in Uzbekistan that everybody does that. I'm sure it's just certain families um, and other people are not into it. So it's a hard call, but you know, when you're looking at um, children being exposed to things, um, that could possibly harm them because if you look at um, what it's doing to families, like I don't know any woman unless she was into it uh, that would be, you know, saying, well, it's just a part of our expression. So we're just going to watch porn every time we have sex because we can't have sex without porn anymore. I mean, to me, that seems really sad, you know, and I'm pretty sure that most women that I know would, not be into that unless that's just something we haven't shared. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm starting to find out things about the world that are just so like mind blowing. I'm ready to just close off more and more streams of uh, understanding here and just focus on what I do believe in and what I want to develop in my own life. You know, so I, I know what you're, I know what you're trying to say there. But you know, and then you think about your own children. Like if you had children, would you want them? to be exposed to this or to be going to people's houses that you know their parents are into it or you know I mean what's your natural inclination and so it's good that we're having this conversation because it's going to start waking up in people to start asking these questions and making because we know we can't make major decisions based on what the government's telling us or what most of what we're seeing on the internet or tv we cannot people are realizing that that's not a safe place to bait, to get our information uh, for what constitutes a, um, a good life. Uh, but our gut is, you know, so that's my whole thing about my show that I do, which is Bridget's Well, um, is to talk to people about food and how to uh, come back to the kitchen and learn how to cook the right foods and cook them the right way so that your gut is going to be um, – made more healthy because it's an, another um, sort of uh, collateral damage that's been happening with all this stuff. We were talking about sugar earlier, but it's all the fast foods, all the processed foods, the bad vegetable oils, um, the, and then the, the fear porn and all the yucky chemicals that get, that get um, produced in our bodies from even learning about a lot of these terrible things that are happening. It just by, Thinking about it, it releases toxic chemicals into our bodies, which can be very damaging to our physical being, our spiritual and mental health can all be affected by that. So I love food. I'm kind of a foodie. And I I really believe that by changing our diets and coming back to the kitchen and starting making cooking a, a priority in our lives, that we can take back a huge um, part of this whole problem and keep it in our own hands, you know, being growing vegetables ourselves or sharing a garden with someone who does have a yard. If you don't have a yard, you know, there's so many things we could be doing to help the situation. 
And I really believe that um, by eating, you know, good foods as, as much as possible, organic foods. Now, I'm not a purist. I do eat out sometimes, and I know I'm not eating organic. But that's the sort of trajectory we want to go in is eating clean foods, making fermented vegetables so that the probiotics and the enzymes in our guts is getting healthy again. Because if you look on like the level of the macrocosm and the microcosm, the macrocosm is all this disgusting stuff that's happening out in the world. And then you look at people's inner lives. And if you could look into their guts, most people have probably really unhealthy guts. So it's that's the macrocosm affecting the microcosm or the microcosm, you know, what comes first. But by taking our cooking and our food back into our hands, we can decide what we want to eat and what we need to make ourselves feel good. And then, you know, there's those sayings in all cultures that, you know, trust your gut. And like in German, the word gut, G-U-T, is God. And it's also good. So I find that very interesting. So um, and then we had the saying when I was little, oh, I hate his guts or I hate her guts. You know, so it's like that. Where did that thing come from? You know, it's like throwing these darts at someone at their guts. So, I mean, I'm looking at this is my conspiracy mind going all the time. Uh, but looking at how even just the words, sayings that get um, somehow blossom in a culture, um, then I hate your guts. Um, and so you're throwing arrows. And I've said that when I was little and I've had it said at me. But those are arrows that we get taught to throw at other people to damage the most sacred inner that's like you know in chinese medicine they say that everything starts in the gut you know so to sort of start to look at these things and have these conversations about what is good for us and what do we want you know and if people have really unhealthy guts then their god or their the goodness inside of them is not able to express itself in our our thought processes because everything starts with a thought or and a feeling, right? And then and then it that um, when you have a thought and a feeling and it, and if your gut is healthy, you have these healthy inclinations to follow your guts, to follow your inclinations of what you do want to do, you know. And I would say that most people have that inner part of them that is good. It's just hard to access it if our insides are feeling like you know feeling really messed up and then you get attracted to all these things in the outside of us that are really messed up because okay that's kind of it's like normally normalizing feeling all the time you know so i don't know that's how i see that whole thing that, that what, what you brought up danny um dennis um about acting out stuff you know to me, in my gut, I would never want, that's just me, and I'm not being a prude or anything, but I just would never, like, I turned on porn once when I was, I don't know, maybe in my early 20s, and I turned it off after about 15 seconds, because I knew what sacred sex was. I had um, a relationship with someone um, that was really beautiful and really sacred, and unfortunately, um, I was born into a family that... Uh, got targeted in different ways. It wasn't sexually, which I'm really grateful for, because that's so sad when you meet people who are, you know, born into families of with that as a problem. It's really a hard one, you know, but there are a lot of people who are trying to get out of it, and, and that's a good thing. 
trying to change. Mitzi, yep. what time is your show? It's getting um, to where we so, better plug. Yeah, I changed. Thank you so much for asking. So, yeah, it's Bridget's Well, and, and it's now on Tuesday nights. Uh, at I think it's 8 p.m. Eastern time, so it's 5 p.m. our time, um, Pacific time. But like uh, last week, this uh, last night, I shared a um, a video about Bruno Groening, who was a German. He appeared in Germany, right? Um, uh, he was born. I think he actually predicted the first and second world wars as as a child, and he was a really huge healer, very famous. Of course, he's not talked about in history books, but it was a real thing. Anyway, I, I showed the first part of a documentary about him, Bruno Groening. So thanks for asking. That was on Bridget's Well, Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. <laughs> Studio okay. A. Studio A, yeah. Yeah. All right. And, radio. <laughs> yeah. And Lenny, you're, you're still at, uh, at, at Mines, I take it? Yes. Uh, the Mad Doctor Time at Mines.com. And I've got a, uh, a YouTube channel, Dr. Lenny Time. Okay, awesome. I shall uh, invite invite you to to post the YouTube channel to Revolution Radio chat room at some point. Uh, I should maybe do that when we finish the show. Um, <clears throat> so what I what, what I'm kind of doing with this show is just letting it letting it freewheel as a conversation when it's not clips. But I'd like it to be a round table. So if, if either of you wants to volunteer to come on regularly, I know, I know Lenny, you, you said we said once a month, but if you want to do it more than once a month, you're very welcome. Um, <coughs> see if you're around, then we can make it a round table every couple of weeks or once a month or whatever. Just let, just let me know when you're around and uh, we'll bring you on and, and have a conversation. Sure. Yeah, this is a good time for me, so that works out good. All okay, right. Good. So I'll include you unless you tell me otherwise and in that case. Okay, that sounds great. I'll put it on my date book. I'm like this nerds who still has a real, like, a date book. <laughs> a book. Right. I've got bits of paper everywhere, but they're not in a book anymore. They're all just bits of paper. I shall remember, though. The, so we're here every where are we? Wednesday afternoon it is now two o'clock Eastern. So it's seven o'clock my time, but two o'clock Eastern, which is what eleven o'clock your time. Uh, yes, uh, eleven to one Pacific All right. time. All right, okay. So that's awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna close it up now because I'm gonna run over to the pub and see if I can get in on, on this libertarian meeting. It's happening about thirty seconds away. Uh, I want to I want to go over and say hello, if nothing else. And we're coming up to the end of the show, so uh, I say thanks to both of you. It's been a good okay, conversation. Okay, be well. Take Thank care. you. Take care, Lenny and and Mitzi, and uh, I'll see you either next week or a couple of weeks' time. We'll we'll sort something out in between. But geez, it's been good. Thanks a lot. Have a great night and have a, have a good time over there. I'm glad you're going out. <laughs> I will do. Well. See you later, guys. And I'll see you next. See you on Saturday for the Saturday show, 11 a.m. Eastern.
on Studio B, free association. Uh, again, it's whatever comes up. Sometimes it's clips, usually it's clips. Sometimes it's conversation. Sometimes it's me just gibbering on for 20 minutes. But either way, it'll be worth listening to. Uh, and we'll see you then. secret that the so-called mainstream media is best described as controlled propaganda. Countless news stories are either totally ignored or spun with half-truth, and because of this, essential facts and vital information are often compromised. To Ott every Friday night on Studio B at 10 p.m. Eastern and learn why the story behind the story was nominated for a Peabody Award in its second year of producing unparalleled broadcasting excellence in 1997. That is, if you really care about learning the truth. scheduled programming to bring you this important broadcasting announcement. Now is the time to explore your greatest potential embracing truth, health, and wellness while discarding the system and exposing its corruption. Experience 